Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Monday, March 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, investor at large, Tim Hansen. Happy spring break. Yes. We're taping this early. Spring break this week. We're out of the office this week, uh, and we'll get to where we're going. Uh, not together. No, we're we're going our separate ways. Um, but uh, wanted to. Although that might be fun. That could be fun. That could be fun. Uh, depending on which of the two locations. And yeah, not if we're going where you're going. Which <laughs> we'll get to. Um, but I, I wanted to start with because um, uh, we've talked about this concept before at the office, um, but but we haven't done it in a long time on Market Foolery and. Um, Along with spring break, um, the other thing that goes with spring is spring cleaning. And I, I wanted to get sort of uh, a little bit of insight into how you look at your own portfolio because there are people I know who, when they look at their portfolio of stocks, they they've got a system for when they look to rebalance it, when they look to uh, evaluate what's worth holding, what's worth selling. And for some people, it's like clockwork; it's every month. Some people it's quarterly. Some people are much more engaged, and they're they're constantly looking at what they have versus their watch list. What are you know? Without getting too personal, how do you think about I'm an open book, Chris? <laughs> how do you think about spring cleaning in terms of your stock portfolio? So for me, for the last couple of years, I I have not sold anything. I don't I don't sell, and there are a couple of reasons for that. I mean. Um, Figuring out when to sell is hard, and plus, you know, as someone who is trying to regularly add new money to my portfolio, I find that it's a lot easier to rebalance simply by allocating that new money into either um, uh, sectors or uh, types of stock that would, I think, make my portfolio better reflect my my worldview than by reallocating money around, um, because that obviously um, has two consequences. One is commissions, and the other, which I hate. Um, it's just it's taxes, and it's not even the paying of the taxes. It's like remembering all the transactions and filing them when it comes time to tax. Time. I just realized, like, you know what? The bang for the buck just is not here. I'm not that good at selling, and it creates a lot of work. And so I'm just not going to do it anymore. So wait a minute. This is interesting to me. Um, not not the admission that you're not good at selling, because um, we've we've. I talked- mean, nobody can be good that good at selling because most things over time go up. Right. right? So I mean. Yeah. And and Tom Gardner, co-founder of our company, has made the point before. You know, running the numbers, he would have been much better off if he had just never sold anything. Yeah. Even even the losers that end up going, if not to zero, they go to some tiny amount where they're insignificant. Um, but I'm I'm curious about the never selling, not so much in terms of the timing, but in terms of businesses going south. I mean, the last thing I sold. Was Chipotle because I just got fed up. Sure, and I just got angry. I mean, I might have broken my rules for Chipotle too. To, so. to the point where I was like, I just can't be a. Yeah, it's it's not me, it's you, and and we have to break up right now. So, so to be fair, I did sell actually. I did sell something last year, and the reason I sold it was because it had been an abject failure, and um, I I sold it to harvest the loss because I had 
um, distributed gains from a mutual fund that I hold. And so rather than pay taxes on those, I did sell to offset this. So that's the nice thing about keeping even disasters around, because you can tactically unload them um, to offset taxes, which is a nice, a that nice is thing true. to do. Um, you know, that's making making uh, lemonade out of lemons right there. So, yeah. Um, in terms of... I mean, knock on wood, I haven't had that many abject disasters, so I haven't encountered that scenario quite so many times. In some ways, um, if there's a silver lining to abject disasters, is that it makes the decision process a little easier. It's tougher when you've got a stock that's just sort of plodding along to the extent that you're thinking about selling it, you're like, I don't know, do I sell this thing? Do I just ride it out? I mean, yeah. I mean, as long as it's a good company, and you kind of look at it and go, ah, "It's time will come." I, I own, I've owned 3M for you know, gosh, um, probably probably 15 years at this point, and and there was a period of time where just kind of sitting there, not doing much. But it, it's been, you know, you annualize what it's done over the last 15 years. It's been solid, and it's always been a sort of a good business. Um, it's funny. The abject failure I had was, um, which I sold at the end of the year last year. Um, was a company called Female Health, which had gone through a variety of restructurings and so on and so forth, and had become a very small percentage of my portfolio. I'd sort of stopped following it, become disinterested. And I looked at my portfolio one day for to look for things that I could sell at a loss. And the the, the, the stock had uh, changed its name and business model. And I looked, and I'm like, what is this thing? Blockchain? How, how did it get here? Did they add blockchain? <laughs> well, no, then it might have gone off. But um, no, they, I, I forgot. They did. They, they bought some like cosmetic company or, or gel company or something like that. Anyway, um, that was a little bit of a surprise. I was a little embarrassed that I had no idea that it happened. Um, but at you know, the end of the day, it is what it is. You probably weren't the only one caught off guard by that. I don't think so. It was it was awkward for all of us. So in terms <laughs> of in terms of adding new money and uh, adding to your portfolio, what is your watch list process like? Do you have a watch list where you say, okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick from this list, or does it just sort of depend on the timing of when the money is available? I mean, I've got. Um, I, I keep, you know, my job entails me looking at stocks every day, and, and um, the job that I do now at the pool has me looking at a database of all of our stocks all the time. So it's interesting to, to um, watch how that plays out. And um, we've got algorithms that rank them, and I think that's kind of fun. So I try to eat my own cooking in that regard um, by keeping a watch list of things that the algorithms like, that obviously fool analysts like as well. Um, so the la- the last thing I bought uh, when I added money. And I've been slow to add money just because the market has seemed um, I, there haven't been like a ton of things that looked super compelling to me. Um, but a company called Square, which makes um, payment technologies, which I, you know, I, the war on cash. Yeah, well, I, I we think, love the war on cash. You know, from a from a big picture standpoint, I think that that's a very compelling story. And then um, Square was a company that in our um, uh, ranking algorithm, because a lot of fool analysts had either. Um, started uh, positive positions in it or increased their positions in it. The algorithm liked it a lot. When I looked at the business model and read about it, it seemed like a very fascinating company with a really interesting space. Um, and so that that was the last thing I I bought. Speaking of what you do here at the Motley Fool, uh, the Fool 100 index. What is it? what is it I do? Here? What exactly is it that you do? Uh, the Fool 100 index, uh, which for those uh, unfamiliar. Uh, an index of uh, 100 stocks from the full universe, mm-hmm. uh, which if if you just go to uh, full100.com, full100.com, you can learn more about the index. Um, it's also right there on the main page of full.com yep. uh, because we have it uh, right next to the S&P 500. Um, as of this taping, uh, 
running ahead of the market uh, year to date up uh, by about five percentage points. Yeah. Um, so it's harder to beat than the SP 500 this year. <laughs> this year. Early in the year. <laughs> Early in the year, uh, over the last twelve months, though, uh, about twenty six percent versus the market. About we do 20%. get into back tested returns there. So, but it has been this year all live, all published returns. So. Um, recently rebalanced. What is that process like? Yeah. So the index reconstitutes quarterly, which means we um, take stock of what's in the full universe again, and then we re rank everything by market cap. So it's the one hundred largest uh, full buy recommendations is basically what it's in the full one hundred. And so, uh, yeah, we just finished the re. Um, Constitution process. Um, six things went in, six things went out. Um, four of those things came in and out because of market cap reasons. Uh, four things got smaller and four things got bigger. Um, two things went out because they were sold by our analysts. Um, one was uh, Packar, which is a truck maker, and the other was Emerson Electric, which is like an industrial electronics company. And the two that came into the universe uh, were Red Hat, which is like an open source technology company, and uh, Discover Financial Services, which is Discover Card and um, consumer lending and, and, and things of that nature, um, both of which had shown up in our database as among the top 150 ideas that our analysts like. So um, the index is substantially the same as it was a couple days ago. Um, it'll actually those changes don't go into effect until uh, close of business on uh, Thursday and or at open on April second. Um, but substantially the same low turnover. Most of the stocks we liked last month are still the stocks we like, which is consistent with the foolish way of thinking. And this this goes on. The rebalancing will happen quarterly. What do you do in the case of an acquisition? Uh, do you just say, well, we're just going to if something gets acquired mid quarter? Um, or that closes mid-quarter. Do you just say, "Well, we're going to be not yeah, so not in name, but in but in practice, it's going to be the full 99 yeah, index for so a few weeks." Exactly, and um, it depends on uh, obviously acquisitions can close in a lot of different ways. Um, you can get proceeds, you can get shares of something new. Um, if we get shares of something new, that, that that it may not be a full recommendation, right? But it could be in the index as a result of that corporate action until the next reconstitution. And then you get a new name, like with female health. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, all that, uh, it's funny, when you write up the methodology for how you maintain an index, all these little quirky points come up, and that's all at full100.com. You can read about how we handle each one of those kind of unique situations. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it, 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 we keep it pretty simple. Uh, before we go on, I want to say thanks again to Rocket Mortgage. Uh, getting a mortgage, refinancing your existing home loan, these are not easy things. They are not a walk in the park. And when you're making big financial decisions like that, you want to be as confident as you are in your day-to-day life. And Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your, your existing home loan. Uh, it's simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details so you can be confident you are getting the right mortgage for you. And to get started, just go to rocketmortgage.com slash fool. That's rocketmortgage.com slash fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Spring break, you're going to Nicaragua. Yeah. I'm going somewhere less exotic, a little place I like to call central Pennsylvania. Nice. <laughs> so that not as exotic as Nicaragua. I mean, it depends on which part of central Pennsylvania you're going to, perhaps. That is true. Although I do think the the one the one uh, practice that you taught me about when traveling, mm-hmm. I think, applies whether you're in Nicaragua or you're in central Pennsylvania or anywhere for that matter, anywhere mm-hmm. you're tra- traveling, and that is the standing in line with locals. Yeah, if you see a line, stand on it, in it, at the back of it. Yeah. Do something. If yeah. you if you if you're hungry, <laughs> where and if you're traveling and you're hungry and you see a line somewhere and 
it's you're not particularly if you're not in a tourist area you see or even if you are in a tourist area and you see a lot of local people yeah get in that line because the locals know yeah the origins of that actually come from when i was in singapore and we were at a hawker stall and there was a stall that was closed what's wait wait, a hawker stall Uh, so they have these big like food halls and then there's individual stalls within the food hall okay and some of them are quite well famous there's a a gentleman there who just got a michelin star for his um stall really yeah yeah that's impressive very and so with that as background, so, you know, we had gone to one of the more famous food halls and done a little bit of research, not apparently not all the research. Um, so we're eating our, eating, our, eating our lunch, and all of a sudden there's a stall that's closed. It's 1230 and it's closed, right? But all of a sudden somebody stops in front of the stall and just starts standing there. Within, within about 10 minutes, the line goes like 20 people deep, and the thing is closed. And it had no signs of opening up. I mean, there, wasn't, there weren't hours on it. And so um, I just said to, um, you know, my travel fan, I'm, like, I'm going to go stand in that line. He's like, well, why? I'm like, well, you don't even know what they do there. And I was like, that's true. That's true, but I'm going to go stand. And it turned out to be, um, um, I, I believe if I recall correctly, it was rice pudding. It was delicious. It's delicious. The locals know. They know. <laughs> I love the, My favorite part of that story, Not well, my favorite part is that you just like decided, like you saw the situation and were like, I'm going to go do that. They know something I don't. Oh, yeah. And I'm just going to uh, give myself over to that. My second favorite part is that there was no indication whatsoever. It's not even like. <laughs> you had to know. It's not even <laughs> like, hey, it's the rice pudding stall or it's a little sign tacked up. Back in 10 minutes. No, it just went. No, and they, I think they had a limit. You can only buy four. And I think the guy who was maybe 10 or 11 spots behind me got the last because I was the only person online who only got one. <laughs> Everybody else was maxing out. And I thought about maxing out, too, but I was like, ah, I'm not going to eat four rice puddings. No, but you take advantage of the secondary market. <laughs> Securitize that. <laughs> um, uh, what's one thing in Nicaragua that people should do when they go there? I've never been. Oh, so you, oh you've not been. Oh, okay. I so. don't know. We're, we're, we're pushing the envelope. So we've done uh, Costa Rica. I love, I love traveling Latin America for a variety of reasons. People are very friendly. The food's always delicious. There's lots of, like, lots of good hiking, wildlife, things of that nature. Um, uh, have passable Spanish. Uh, it's warm at spring break, which, you know, a lot of the world not warm at spring break. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, we, we, we've done Costa Rica in the past. We've done Panama in the past. And so I'm uh, going to hit Nicaragua, hopefully get some uh, get some surfing and teach the kids how to surf. Nice. That's the plan. Uh, there's, I don't think there's going to be surfing in central Pennsylvania. Uh, maybe there's one of those. Is there one of those indoor water parks? I, you know what? Because those standing waves are pretty cool. Next time you're in the studio, we'll compare notes. Well, should we bring pictures? <laughs> Well, it's an audio podcast, so <laughs> we can describe them. We, yeah, that's that's not so great. Um, to learn more about what Tim Hansen does, go to fool100.com and you can uh, see, see about the index, which just got rebalanced. Uh, Fool100.com. Thanks for being here. And Thank have, you, my man. Have a great trip. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Taylor Harris. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.